Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. So on today's episode, we have Megan Lamke. She's from Minnesota and uh, one of our great meetup leaders out there. But, you know, beyond the fact that she is a millennial and she started reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like what's in high school? Yes, high school. She, she goes into some great insight around how her and her husband, very young in age, were able to pay down a half a million dollars in debt. So I'm just going to leave it at that. We go into a lot of specifics around that phenomenal insight she gives around that. Aaron. Yeah. Fast forward. Now she's syndicate deals and she analyzes about 10 properties per day and sends out two LOIs per day. So she's very specific about where, how she does things. Yep. You cannot miss this. And if Megan could do it at, you know, young age with everything that she's going on around, you can do it as well. This is a must for you. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, filing with 100% accuracy and getting your max refund guaranteed. So whether you started a podcast, side-hustled your way to some extra income, flipped a house, or finally bought your first rental property, your moves made a big difference in your life last year. Now it's time to make the most of your moves. Switch to TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Invest Her Show, where we have a weekly podcast where we are interviewing some amazing women uh, up to some amazing things in their lives, you know, in real estate investing and all those good things. So Megan uh, Lamke is with us this week. So welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, she's from Minnesota, and we're going to get into her really neat story. There's a lot of different aspects we're going to go here, and Megan is one of our uh, amazing, I'm using the word amazing a lot, but that's just, I just use one word, and I'll just say it like 19 <laughs> times this uh, podcast, but uh, Megan's one of our wonderful uh, meetup leaders in Minnesota, so if you're local to the Minnesota area, you have to check out her meetup. We'll put it in the show notes. She's mm -hmm. amazing, and uh, just what she's up to, so you have to go out and connect with her there. Um, Great. Before, yeah, before we go to you uh, and, and your, you know, just what you're up to and how you uh, have created the financial, 
you know, independence in your life. Um, We always like to connect with our audience and, you know, see what's up. So Miss Andressa, what is going on before we launch in today's interview? What's happening, right? Yeah. What's going on? So I listened to, you know, several books at the same time and podcasts and all that. So sometimes I don't know where I get that information that I am talking about. So it's, it's clearly somewhere else source. Uh, but I want to talk about mistakes. So sometimes uh, on our community, we have questions about like, okay, how can I avoid mistakes or how can I you know, I don't feel good when I make a mistake. And I saw this conversation around embracing the mistake. Mm. I'm not saying go waste a million dollars over and over again on the same mistake. It's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that mistake is very connected with experience. And if you, we think about our, you know, really the, the biggest lessons, it, it it was related to a mistake or something very deep that really connect us and, and made an impact. So when getting into a new venture, looking to flip a house for the first time or syndication, absolutely mm-hmm. talk to people that already did what you're looking to do so you can jump. But don't mistake that you're not going to make any mistake just because of that. You're going to make mistakes throughout your journey. There are just going to be different mistakes, different things that you're going to learn from it. So instead of fearing it or worrying about not making one, so have the support around you, but embrace when it happens. Because if you're not making any mistake, if you feel that everything, oh, I got this, a hundred percent of the time, you're really not growing as a, as an investor, you're really not growing as, you know, a company in general. So I just wanted to share with you guys this perspective about looking at a mistake as actually an opportunity to grow. Yeah. I love it. You know, and it's, you're right though. As you grow in this business, I mean, I've been doing this for 15 years. You just make new mistakes, you know, And, and it's like, you don't get to the point where you just don't make any Hopefully not the same ones. Um, and if you are, then you haven't learned the lesson. But yeah, True. great, great insight. Yeah. Great insight. So I think I, I think it was uh, from uh, Damon from Shark Tank that okay. he said Ooh. that he closed FUBU five or six times. The first time was a logistic mistake, and then the second time was marketing. But then when you close the third time, you're not making a logistic nor marketing mistake. It's something else. Mm. And then by the sixth or seventh time that he tried something different, all those mistakes that he made prior help him to really uh, launch. Get it right. Yeah. Right. Very cool. Good lesson. Not always easy, but good, good point. Yeah. Um, So without further ado, Megan, let's jump into you and your story. And we always like to ask the ladies that we interview what propelled you to get involved in real estate investing? Yeah, great question. So I am a millennial and I had the pleasure of reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad and Cashflow Quadrant when I was in high school. So that really planted the seed of how do we create a lifestyle that's our own and have that time and financial freedom. Um, another thing that happened when I was younger is my parents actually uh, went through bankruptcy. And so that kind of gave me a mindset of, okay, I want to avoid that. How do I make sure that I'm financially free and how do I build a lifestyle around that? Um, 
yeah. And so fast forward, mm-hmm. just kept learning and found some other great resources like the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University program and just hustled. That's awesome. <laughs> so, Quick question for you yeah. though. So you say you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad in high school and Cash yeah. World Quadrant as well. I think yeah. it should be mandatory. I agree. I think <laughs> right? it should be a part of every high school curriculum that you should Was that your teacher them. or your parents? Who, who introduced you to it? Yeah. So in high school, I was involved in two groups. One of them was DECA for marketing and sales. And the other one was called Business Professionals of America. Um, both did business level competitions. Um, and so part of the encouraged reading were those books along with some others. Wow. That's very neat. Yeah. Very neat. And, and um, for Renzi, um, I also, same thing. And I highly recommend for all of you guys that really want to understand finance, go through his one-on-one, you know, training it's online. You can easily do it. It is really, really um, impactful. So, Mm -hmm. Moving forward from mm-hmm. that high school time, talk yeah. to us about your first real estate deal. How did that look yeah. like? Yeah. So my first real estate deal was actually my primary residence. So my husband and I played semi-professional rugby. We bought a six-bedroom, two-bathroom house and decided to have all of our teammates live with us. So it was like me and six guys and we convinced them to help us renovate the house while living there. So these are really great friends that could go through a couple of rentals. So we did house hacking and the burr strategy before we knew what it was called at the same time. Um, So we renovated the kitchen, both bathrooms, made a master suite, did a whole bunch of cosmetic updates and painting landscaping. Basically, there was no surface that wasn't touched in this house. Um, And then had roommates via house hacking for eight years. So all the way through getting married, starting a family, we just kept having roommates. And it was used as a way to help us pay down debt and get debt free. Mm -hmm. Um, So because of that, we were able to pay off all $535,000 in debt because I had almost $200,000 of student loan debt. Um, And then we were able to take the profits from the sale of that house and roll it into passive investing in multifamily syndications. Um, So that was my first deal. So I'm this anomaly that went from one single family house hack for investment to scaling really big in multifamily syndication. So there's like so many things I want to, I know I want to go there. So, okay. So, so you have half of that five, let's, let's, you said 535, right? Yep. $535,000. Yep. So half of that, about half, um, mm-hmm. give or take is about, stu- is in student loans. What was the mm-hmm. remaining? Was it in the proper, the, the single family? Yep. So it was um, the single family home, the home equity line of credit. We paid off all of our cars, credit cards. Yeah. All of it. So you had this list. We want to go, you want to go debt free or not Mm -hmm. list. You had this goal and then you do your first house hack. You have the team, the professional rugby team helping you do the, do the renovations, which is 
which is brilliant. You know, did you have anything in writing with them or do you just like, Hey, to live here, this is what you're going to do. We like, exchange kind of- for beers. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious. Like that's a really no, interesting because- strategy. How did you, how yeah, did you navigate had- that? lease agreements because we wanted to just make sure that there was that level of commitment and expectation. Rent was really cheap. So that was their incentive to stay uh, and help out. And yeah. Okay. So you have this debt, you, you, you go after it by, so how did you get, so the 535 came where just by selling that first house hack? So the 535,000 was all of our Debt. debt combined. Yep. Right. And so we made about $274,000 when we sold the house. Got it. And that went to further deals or went into that 535 debt? That went into further multifamily syndications because we had already paid off all of the debt. How'd you pay off the debt? That's what I, that's so, what I'm not Yeah. Sure. So from collecting all of the income, I worked four, sometimes five jobs at a time. My, gotcha. Gotcha. So this house, so it wasn't just the house hack. It was multiple pieces. Yeah. Okay. So four yeah. or five jobs. Yeah. Eight so, years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it's so <laughs> funny that okay. that you're being raw and experienced that because um, sometimes the the little story oh you have good grades and then you get a great job and mm-hmm. then you get married and then you get that house with mm-hmm. the white fence and you have kids and you buy a car and you buy a second car because you mm-hmm. have a second kid and then blah, 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 mm-hmm. right what are you saying is that what it really take took for you guys to pay the half a million dollar debt it's really a lot of sacrifice and determination, creativity, mm-hmm. all combined. Mm-hmm. And it takes really time to get there. So I'm curious to know, did you guys have a processing place or during those eight years? What came first in terms of paying the debt that you guys had? Yeah. So like I alluded to earlier, we followed the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University program. So it teaches you to snowball your debt. So starting at the smallest debt possible and then working um, sequentially up from there as you get larger and larger. So my student loans were obviously larger than our mortgage payment or larger, mm. larger than the mortgage that we had on the house. So they came very last, but working through and getting those quick wins by paying off credit cards and then a house and then the home equity line of credit and then paying off the mortgage all the way and then my student loans. You know, paying debt is, you know, cause I, I, I've been there and it's, it's not easy, right? Cause there's no. you know, money comes in and you have lots of choices, right? Mm-hmm. You can, you can, and there's different schools of thought, you know, mm-hmm. various schools of thought where you're paying mm-hmm. it down. People might say, well, what's, you know, was that, was that good debt, bad debt? Where could you have gotten more money there? Mm-hmm. You can leverage, like there's so many different philosophies. You took it to, from the approach of coming in. I don't know the philosophy of this of Peace University, but uh, what you're saying in terms of the, the details, but what you're saying makes a lot of sense. What gave you the discipline to do it? Because yeah, you, you had a goal and that was important mm-hmm. to you and your husband. Um, you had a greater goal of, of getting into larger real estate projects. Mm-hmm. You had a goal, it sounds like, to leave your, your corporate job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious. I mean, you know, Cause that takes a, not just like one day discipline, like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm not going to get the latte today or, you know, like we're not going to go on the vacation. That's like easy decisions. Like what Mm -hmm. you're saying is that's a consistent 
consistent decision you had to make every time money came in mm-hmm. and to follow that. And then it gets to a yeah. half a million dollars, right? That's not like jump change. It's like, right. ah, do that in a whim. Um, what, what drove you to give, give you both that discipline? And you're younger. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. you could have said, oh, we got all the time we want, but you didn't. Right. So right. I'm curious, yeah, I'm curious to yeah. understand that. Yeah. So a big part of it was growing up and watching my parents lose their home through bankruptcy and knowing that I never wanted that to happen when I got married and started a family. Um, love my parents very much. They are doing very well financially now, but it, it leaves an impact on you when you're yeah. you know, 12 years old. Um, and so that drive. Mm. And then when my husband and I went through our marriage prep class, one of the things that we did was uh, visualize what we wanted our life to look like together. And what that meant was we wanted to get out of debt and never have to have personal debt again. So business debt is fine, but personal debt, we have, there's so many more options that are available to you. Um, and I personally feel like I was made to do something more than just sit in a cube for 40 hours a day, making someone else or 40 hours a week, making someone else rich. And so um, just that bigger calling or sense of vocation on my life kind of kept me going. What is this, this prep course that you guys took? Yeah. So, um, we went through a marriage prep course. So. I love, I'm loving Minnesota <laughs> Yeah, for different yeah, so. reasons. <laughs> um, so our, as a part of getting engaged, our church offered a marriage preparation course where we went through financial peace university. We did a couple of tests like strength finders and Myers-Briggs and oh my gosh yeah and dove into like our communication styles and um talked about how we wanted our life to look like when when we got married and being really intentional about that plan um and then walked away with it with a dream board and the cool part is looking back I mean we've been married for almost five years now when we look at that dream board we're like everything on there we've accomplished like we need to sit down and do it again like mm. this has That's been so, so cool. amazing though and your church did, did that yeah yeah wow that is so amazing and i think that you know when liz and i th- um, talk to some folks that are starting different types of partnerships we always kind of like okay what's your personality yeah. uh you know test did you do skin finders or any other mm-hmm. other personality where mm-hmm. where are you financially what mm-hmm. do you see it's exactly what what they did and do you think that that contributed to like having the support also right the yeah. support uh, contribute to you guys uh getting to where you guys are right now Oh, for sure. And it helped build a community of like-minded people, which I feel like we couldn't have gone on this journey without people who were surrounding us saying, hey, it's okay to have different types of communication or it's okay to come to a relationship with different views of money. The important part is working through that conflict resolution and coming up with a plan together. Mm. That's very powerful. The more people need to do that, I think that would might people always ask us, how do you invest with your spouse? And I'm like, invest with your spouse. How do you communicate with your spouse? Right. Let's, let's, right. Talk, let's talk about that first. How do you manage the household? <laughs> you know, like, you know, yeah. it's like people can't communicate. They shouldn't be buying a lot of property together. That doesn't right. seem like a good idea to me. But anyway, yeah. another, another story. When you look at what you went through in those eight years, what do you think are the biggest like 
challenges, mistakes, uh, things to avoid. Yeah. You know, the women listening may have personal debt. They might have uh, good debt, bad debt. I mean, you make the whole list. Yeah. You, you kind of tackled it all, which is super neat. Right. But the women listening, they're managing and working through some sort of debt. What are the mm-hmm. mistakes? What are the things that they want to avoid? So they yeah. can move through that in the you know, most mindful way, most intentional way. Mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest things that I struggled with early on, one of the mistakes that I made was the, oh, I paid off some debt and got some easy wins, like paid off the car, paid off the credit card. But then I fell into this, well, I deserve this kind of mentality. Mm. I work so mm. hard. Um, I deserve this. And so uh, for me, I really had to wrestle with the idea of contentment and being okay, living beneath my means so that I could live and give like nobody else. And so that was one of the hardest lessons that I had to learn was contentment throughout the whole process. Um, the, another hard lesson that I had to learn was don't renovate both bathrooms or the only bathrooms <laughs> in the house at the same time. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. We were showering outside for like two months because we didn't, you know, we thought it would just be a weekend project and we we're doing it all ourselves. So don't renovate both bathrooms at the same time. Go oh be showering God. outside. <laughs> so you, that's really fascinating. And that's a really good point. The, um, yeah, to, to, to know where you are with contentment and know where you are yeah. with your own style. Um, have you ever taken any sort of like assessment, like uh, from a money perspective? Are you a spender? Are you a saver? Have you ever? Oh yeah, I'm totally a spender. And my I was going to husband... say you. I, I was going to say that because you said <laughs> I, I wrestle with. I deserve this. I'm like, oh, that's a spender. I would think. Yeah. Okay. So. And my husband, on the flip side, is very much a saver. Like Got he it. will save money, and for he's yeah. just a super saver. Just yeah. put it aside, right? Yeah, just um, put it aside. Yeah. My, my husband always jokes with me. He's like, do you have money underneath our mattresses? Because like, I just always, he's just like, what's in the account? Because he doesn't, he's it yeah. just, you know, it's just funny because he's just, you know, I'm more the, the saver, the pack rat. But Always find what you love and love what you find at Total Wine & More. With so many great bottles to choose from at the lowest price, it's easy to find your favorite Cabernet, Chardonnay, or maybe you're more of a whiskey drinker. Well, one of their single barrel bourbons is sure to please. With a little help from one of their friendly guides, find the perfect bottle that's just right for you. Hosting friends or family and don't have time to shop in store? Well, that's no problem because Total Wine & More makes it easy to get everything you need for any occasion with curbside pickup and delivery. But you know what the best thing about shopping at Total Wine & More is? That every bottle comes with the confidence of knowing you just found something amazing. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, find what you love and love what you find only at Total Wine & More. Visit TotalWine.com to learn more. That's TotalWine.com. Curbside pickup and delivery available in most areas. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. B21. Um, so now we transition. So you pay off a half a million, which is, for any yeah. age, remarkable. Mm-hmm. You um, house hack, you're getting it. You do the single family reno, which is an intense process, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Andressa knows very well. It's, it's not the mm-hmm. easy thing to do, especially if you're living yeah. in the, the property. Mm-hmm. And then you, you, you kind of pivot, right? To, to, yeah. um, to multifamily. So, so yeah. walk us through that because I think it's a common theme uh, with, with women who have experience in one area of investing and now they, they are like, hold on, there's got to be some simpler way. So walk us through that. How did you make that transition? What worked for you to, to get into yeah. uh, 
So I know we were talking, right, on one of the calls. Right. And brokers, yeah. right? Just dealing with brokers. Because you had yeah. a, um, an 18 unit that you guys got under contract that you own now. So yep. walk yeah. us through that a little bit. So just there are a lot of questions right there. So I'm going to unpack them. I know. I, I, was, I just totally asked you, like, that's a great, I'm a great interviewer, aren't I? I asked you, like, 25 questions. Pick one and we'll go with it. So how I got started, the, I started with the end in mind. So knowing that I wanted to leave my corporate marketing and executive salary, the fastest way I could get there was passively investing in multifamily real estate. So I knew at the end of the day, if I left my corporate job, we needed to have money for daycare, like plain and simple. We just needed money, a check coming in every month to pay for daycare and I could go do whatever. Um, and so I went to Minria events when I was super pregnant, working all of these jobs and I stood out like a sore thumb and ran into other men who were syndicating and they're like, yeah, you should syndicate. Like, what are you doing? And so got on all of these distribution lists and rode along for a lot of deals, got to see kind of behind the scenes of what was happening as a general partner, um, and really built some great relationships with some local syndicators, um, And then they introduced me to other bigger players in the market and just picked one of the opportunities to invest with them. Um, So we're invested in 360 units in Florida. Um, And so that pays for daycare now. And that was enough for me to leave my corporate job and then fast forward, kept networking and uh, got an 18 unit under contract in an opportunity zone in Duluth. and we just closed on that in December of this year. So from leaving my corporate job in April to December, I mean, it's been a, a wild ride. <laughs> to say the least, right? <laughs> to say the least, yeah. I don't do anything slow. <laughs> well, and that's what I was going to ask you. So some, some people might be um, in this business. I remember very, very vividly um, when I started investing on my education First, mm-hmm. um, I went to Rich Dad for Dad courses, mm-hmm. and there was this gentleman that he stood up. We went around and just saying the experiences, just to know each other. And this mm-hmm. gentleman stood up and he said, "Well, I've been, you know, getting ready at, and studying and getting all the information that I need. It's been two years, and then I'm I'm almost ready to pull the trigger." And then I was like, I will shoot myself in my head if I had to stand up and say, yeah, being just, you know, getting ready to get ready for two years. On mm-hmm. the flip side, we, we also know like growing too fast, too quick is also yeah. a risk. So I'm curious to know what did you put in place, systems and teams that you put in place to really get uh, you and your, your investors to a place where it's comfortable for everybody? Yeah, great question. So the systems and teams that I put in place were finding people that were more experienced and smarter than myself in this space. So finding a really, really great property manager that has a lot of automation put into place so that we're not you know, collecting cash for rent or hounding people um, to pay rent on time is just automatically debited or automatically put on a credit card for them. Um, working with really, really great lenders who are some of the smaller banks and credit unions in Minnesota because they have more flexibility on on terms. 
working with a really great legal team to help make all of the purchase and sale agreements and mitigate risk and handle things that way. So knowing that I'm not the subject matter expert and I'm going to do a lot better job by surrounding myself with really educated people. Um, yeah. And the 18 unit, you have, you're, you're, you're the GP. You yep. and your husband, you have partners. Is it just the nope, two of you? it's just me. So the other just piece you. is he doesn't invest in real estate. He's super supportive, but he loves being an engineer. So I, we're not one of those couples that, Got it. that do this together. He did the debt, get the debt away, get free, get debt free together. But then yep. you transition into real estate investing. That's just you. Yep. Awesome. So you're the GP solely on this 18 mm-hmm. unit. That's pretty remarkable for your first deal. Thanks. You didn't have to Thanks. give a lot of that away. That's pretty, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, how about, did you, did you pull money together? Did you syndicate it or did you finance it yourself? Yep. Great question. So we partnered with some of our friends who have done really well um, and are accredited investors. And so there's actually just three of us. So me and two of my girlfriends who okay. are accredited investors. So technically it's a syndication, but we could have gotten away with a partnership. Got it. I like that. Three, three women just bought an 18. That's, a, that's great. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks. And it's simple. Um, yeah, that's that now do they have role a role in the company in terms of like Nope, they just collect their check. Look at that. <laughs> I'm liking this. <laughs> is this eighteen unit close to you? It's in Duluth, so it's about two hours away from where I'm at in Minneapolis. Okay. Awesome. And did you um what were some things that you did to create like a local team? Do the, did yeah. the property manager give you folks to turn units and uh, who does like your construction? management, how did you set that up remotely? Because that's a, yep. you know, fear, fear for people when they buy. And two hours is not five minutes away. It's, right. You got to have some local feet, boots on the ground. Yep. And so we have a property manager that's in Duluth that handles all of the construction management. They have really great resources for if um, something from a maintenance standpoint happens. Um, obviously, they're collecting rent and doing all of the accounting and things of that nature, but that was one of my biggest criteria is they needed to be well-established in the Duluth market. Um, so we just rely on them. That's great. Wow. So talk to me about what comes next to you, what you're working on right now for you, your, your business. Yeah, that's great. So what comes next is I'm actively and passively investing in multifamily syndications. Uh, so obviously continuing to network with other big players in the industry and then um, doing the daily executable tasks to network and find my own opportunities. So that looks like uh, submitting two letters of intent a day and really pushing myself to do that and evaluating 10 opportunities a day. Wow. Grinding it out until something makes sense and it's accepted. So let's break that down, right? In terms of yeah. um, the, the, you're saying you, you analyze 10, you write to mm-hmm. LOIs. So mm-hmm. when you analyze 10, for some of the ladies that are listening to us, say, how the hell do you analyze 10 deals in one day? I am yeah. analyzing one. It's been two weeks and I'm still trying to, <laughs> to put the deals together here. So do you have a specific criterias or filters that you can, okay, this doesn't fit. So I'm not going to analyze the whole 
something? Or mm -hmm. what is your strategy to be able to analyze that quantity per day and yeah. still, still be able to be a mom, be a wife, take a shower right. and all of that? <laughs> and not just drowned in Excel. Yeah. yeah. So I use Michael Blanc syndicated daily analyzer because that can help me whip through whether these numbers work or don't work. And then I'm not wasting a ton of time digging into the weeds. Um, so they have this really great tool where it's a 10 minute deal analyzer. And if the numbers make sense, then you can dive deeper. So that's, that's how I get through 10 a day. Great. That's awesome. Yeah. You start to have that kind of like simple strategy of, okay, is it going to pass the criteria of where, where I'm going to, you know, deeply dive. I love that when, when Anjessa asked you, I have to say this, I love when Anjessa asked you, um, what's next? You know, you didn't say, I'm, I'm going to send some letters of intent and I'm going to, I'm going to look at a bunch of properties. You didn't say that. You okay. said, I'm going to, you said specifically what you're going to do. Um, I write two letters of intent a day and, and, you know, I analyze 10 opportunities a day. I think, I think that's really important. I just want to mention because, Thank you. because you're, you know, most people have such generalities and, and they're mm -hmm. so like general about everything in their life, mm -hmm. but you didn't go down that path. And that's not how you paid off a half a million dollars of debt. No. So I, I think that's something to really highlight here for, for the women mm -hmm. listening. And we have women who are experienced ladies who are rocking mm -hmm. it out, but they have things in their own business they're working mm -hmm. through. And then we have, we have women who are starting out. It's a good lesson for all of us because mm -hmm. we need to be specific and we mm -hmm. need to know what we're going after so that we can focus on those things and everything else is just noise. So mm -hmm. I just love that. You had, you, your answer was so specific and I, I just love that you had a specific answer. Um, it wasn't like, oh, what am I going to say? Should I just make something up? No, those are your, that's what you're doing right now, clearly. You yeah. Know, you know, so I just thought that was a really important thing to, to mention. Um, so that's awesome. And I would also mention, yeah, Syndication Deal Analyzer by Michael Blanc is great. We've used it mm -hmm. as well. It's a really, um, it's a nice program. It's like kind of Excel mm -hmm. on steroids. I was yeah. just curious though, in terms of like prior of you getting the numbers, what are your criteria when you're looking into a deal uh, two hours away from me, uh, X amount of doors, um, cap rate, market, um, employers, uh, what are yeah. those criteria that until before you get to the spreadsheet, what do you, what is important to you in order for that property uh, to qualify to get to your spreadsheet? Yeah, great question. So I have two different criteria depending on if I'm a passive investor or if I'm the general partner. So if I'm a passive investor, the criteria is needs to be built in the 1960s to the 1980s. Um, class B or sometimes class A minus, it needs to be in a good school district. So on Google reviews, the school districts are rating eight out of 10 or better. Um, they need to have a solid diversified job market. So there's not just one major employer. Uh, the town needs to have over 80,000 people, which is on the smaller side, um, just to make sure that the economy is going to continue to thrive. And those are really the main the main criteria. I'll still look at deals regardless of cap rate um, or cash on cash return or IRR. I know from a personal passive investing side, there's some flexibility there. Um, but most of the syndicators that I work with are offering double digit returns um, and an exit strategy around five or sometimes as long as 10 years on 
the GP side, uh, I look at properties that I can drive to within five hours. So from Minneapolis, that means I can go to North Dakota, South Dakota, anywhere in Minnesota, Iowa, or Wisconsin. Um, and it still has to meet the same criteria. Um, it's not, I'm not as concerned about 100 plus units like I am when I'm passive investing. So as you can see with my Duluth deal, I'm willing to go down to 18 to 50 units if the numbers make sense. Um, so again, double digit returns, the 60 to 80 value add, or built in the 1960s to the 1980s value add has to be in a good school district um, in the population size of the city. Yeah, that's a, that's a neat distinction. I just want to mention too, because I think in a lot of ways people have these like grandiose dreams of like, I don't know why 100 units always seems to be people's goals. I have no idea, but, but 100 seems like a magical number that people say, right? I want a 100 unit apartment building, right? And that's what you hear all yeah. the time. Or people are like, I want a 10 unit. But mm -hmm. I find that the first time we got into a larger multi, because we had an 18 unit and our next one was a 49 unit. And what we found was that the 49 unit was too small for the larger, mm -hmm. for the larger um, you know, syndicators or the larger kind of multifamily mm -hmm. investors. And it was too big for the folks that were going after the, after like the, 18, the 10 units, the 12 mm -hmm. units. So it was like almost like a, a no, you know, and it's also something, do you have a local manager? Are you managing it? It's, it's still mm -hmm. like in a, it's like in a little bit of like a gray, but it's an opportunity because not mm -hmm. as many people are kind of going after that interesting like segue around 50 units mm -hmm. so um i don't know just wanted to mention that as something that yeah. sometimes can be an un is it could be an opportunity because right. people are, are really going after the, the smaller stuff there's just so so much competition and mm -hmm. the larger stuff it's competition but it's different competition right you know because it's, well, it's just more it's more zeros yeah and you can have five 20 units in the same city and share the same property manager yeah. or the same maintenance crew over all of absolutely it. Like, that's where getting a little bit creative yeah. um, has really helped me pull the trigger on, on the 18 unit, knowing that, yeah. okay, there's this fierce competition for a hundred plus units. So why not just pick a yeah. territory that is a little bit more conducive? What do you wish you knew? What do you wish you knew before you close on your 18? Or no, I should say, what do you wish you knew now that you've been in it for a few months? What do you <sighs> wish you knew day one of closing? Closing on the deal. Um, I wish I knew. I mean, this is, you can never get this, but I wish I knew like the temperament of the actual tenants or like <laughs> <laughs> gotten to see their actual applications. There's so much, I don't know. Um, like who actually has a written notice for a service animal and who sure. like little stuff like that. Yeah. Um, just, it adds to some unique conversation. Of course. Yeah, yeah. the onboarding. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I think that, you know, you can do so much due diligence, you know, and, and, and trust the seller, that the seller, it is indeed providing that Mary is indeed uh, living at unit one by herself, not with three <laughs> other people and five dogs, two cats. Right. <laughs> no. right. But it, you, I don't know if, if, we will ever find a seller with, you know, all his shit together. And we yeah. actually don't yeah. want that 
because then it's like, why are you actually selling if you have everything under control? Right. So it's kind of like it is yep. in distress, and we know mm. that if this is messy, this is mm -hmm. all effed up, and you know, so it's kind of like, how can you ever really find out? I like not before you close. I don't know. Yeah. If, you know, even possible. Yeah. yeah, I think that's just part of the learning curve, but it would be nice to <laughs> yeah. know. It would. It would, so it would super be super nice. Really nice. Well, yeah. I think what your your awareness your awareness is really helpful for the women listening that might ha might have a nice portfolio, but they're looking to get into that next level of of stage of of multis, and just knowing that it can be messy and what you're going to get from the seller is not necessarily accurate and probably isn't accurate. And there's yeah. something with Susie in apartment A and Johnny who there's a story that you don't even know yet that's going to be uncovered. Right. Um, so yeah, I think that that awareness is really helpful for people to know because it's, mm -hmm. you don't know, you don't know that until you're in it. You're like, what? Hold on. Yeah. So. And even if you know things like with this deal specifically, a lot of my mentors are experienced advisors in the space kept telling me, Megan, get the actual financials before you do anything, like before you spend money out of pocket. And I was like, it's okay. Like I trust this person. Let's pay for an appraisal. Let's pay to get the PSA written up. And so then I got the actual deposits and bake statements and like, where's all your money, dude? <laughs> and so we had to go back and, and adjust the purchase price because what he said was coming in was half of what he actually showed deposits for. And so it turned out being a win for me. I got a really great deal, but knowing that up front would have saved me, you know, a couple thousand dollars out of pocket on an appraisal and a lawyer before I can. One question for you too on the mentorship. Were these people yeah. that literally just gave their time at, at gratis? Did you give them yeah. a slice of something that a slice of the deal? I'm curious no. how you kind of arranged all that to yeah. get mentors. So it's the people that... I've met at Minria events um, and they're a part of larger syndication organizations, but I'm also a part of the real estate investor mastermind. And so a lot of the wonderful women in this group have kind of coached me along and given me confidence and best practices. Um, so it's people just being really generous with their time. Great. And then when I can offering tips and suggestions that can help them scale and grow. So it's more of a, symbiotic relationship yeah. rather than just me taking, taking, taking. taking. Um, but I went through and I evaluated a lot of those coaching and mentoring programs and masterminds where you're spending $25,000, $50,000. And after talking to some of the people who have done them, they're like, yes, it's great. Those are wonderful. And if you can just get a mentor and you're already doing your daily action steps, Megan, you don't necessarily need to do that right away, take that money and invest it in a syndication. So. Yeah. And there's so many different schools of thought on that, but I, you know, I think what you did really well was you're right. When you, you really do ask someone, Hey, I got, I know, I know enough to go to the table. You weren't a newbie. I mean, it wasn't like, you're mm -hmm. like, I just, I just picked up her dad, poor dad. You know, you mm -hmm. already had done, you had some street credit, you know, street mm -hmm. credit, if they, if you mm -hmm. will. And, and you were taking action and you're for real. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're, you, you know, your numbers, you know what you want. Mm -hmm. you, you just mm -hmm. paid down a half a million dollars in debt. Yeah. You're someone who people would want to mentor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so what I, when I say that, I mean, when the women listening, it's like, 
you almost, you need to set yourself up for people to want to mentor you. In other words, yeah. like, and, and to be, have that symbiotic relationship and say, Hey, I just, you know, I have a question. Where can I support other, someone else? And that is mm-hmm. what, you know, kind of like a purest sense of mentorship is, you know, but, mm-hmm. um, we've been, we've been talking to a lot of women and more and more women want mentorship, you know, want that mm-hmm. organized support. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we have a lot of things coming down the pike to give yeah. that because it's, you know, it's needed and, you know, no one's providing it right now in, mm-hmm. in a community aspect, which is what, you know, we're up to here. So stay tuned right. ladies, little, little plug there. But, um, yeah. so, um, the woman listening, where can they learn more about you and just the great, uh, yeah. uh, you know, projects you're up to and the trajectory you're, you're headed? Yeah. So the easiest place is just go to my website, meganlamke.com. So M-E-G-A-N-L-A-M-K-E.com. Um, and then if you're a mom, feel free to follow me on Instagram. If you're a passive investor, feel free to reach out to me via LinkedIn. Uh, and that's basically it. Awesome. And all this information you guys can find on our show notes. And we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions now. The first one is, what's the most transformational book you have ever read? There are so many. Um, I think one of the most transformational books that I've read is called The Challenger Salesperson by Matthew Dixon. So it talks about there's more than different there's more than one different way to approach the sale of something. And obviously real estate, you're either selling yourself to investors or you're trying to promote a project. So just knowing what type of person you, you are when you approach sales and then how to use that to your benefit. Very cool. Um, what's the most powerful routine, Megan, that you do to create a financially free and balanced life? Great question. Um, so I am someone that thrives in structure and I know that I have to fill my cup first before I can ever be a good wife or a good mother or run a business successfully. So the first thing that I do in the morning is work out, read and do, um, a devotional and eat a healthy breakfast. So there's this school of thought called the miracle morning. And so I'd encourage anyone listening to go check that out. It's a really great routine. Awesome. And the last question is which women famous or not has inspired you the most? Um, well, both of you, (laughs) you're sweet. (laughs) Seriously. Like your stories have just like broken through a lot of the, the glass ceiling that I felt like I kept running into of, wow, are there only men in this industry? Am I completely crazy to be a woman that wants to spend time with my family and and still invest in real estate. So obviously the two of you, um, yeah, that a lot of philanthropic women out there too, but yeah. You're awesome. sweet. We'll pay you later for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Megan. No, really, yeah. you've been, uh, I, think I, I love your authenticity, really appreciate your time and just love your journey. And it's super okay. inspiring. It's super inspiring to me, you know, and I'm sure Andressa too. So Absolutely. And listening. So thank you for being on. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thank you. See you soon on our next Mastermind. Okay. Sounds great. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community and get updates on upcoming episodes. 
If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.